Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of WA Expose, a podcast about local arts by local artists. As always, I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the immense privilege of recording this podcast on Wajak Noongar Budja. Today's guest got into burlesque after realizing she was defined by who she was to other people, wife, mother, friend, etc. So she dove in to who she could be for herself. This led to a whirlwind of success, having recently been crowned as winner of the international Your Royalties and appearing in a bevy of Scarlet Bell Productions. Not one to act inwardly, she created a brand new show, Neurodiversity Unmasked, as an ode and celebration to the differences that make us whole. As she said herself, I no longer hide who I truly am as a person, and it is burlesque and the gorgeous burlesque community that has assisted me significantly with breaking the prior boundaries I had placed on myself. Neurodiversity Unmasked premieres November 24th, and it is my absolute pleasure to be speaking to the creator of this project, Mologamy Mologamy Muse. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Hello, Mologamy. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. I'm going to do that eight times now. I'm going to (laughs) like stumble over L's and just go, blah, blah. (laughs) Uh, All the hosts usually in shows have to ask me like how to pronounce it. So, (laughs) which I did, I did as well. I was like, I'm just going to check this because I stumble and I stutter and. And then I take it all out in post later and go like, look, don't I speak well? (laughs) (laughs) So for you, why burlesque? Well, actually how it came about was, um, as you were saying, so I was in a bit of a rut where I was, I was a mother and a friend and wife and just doing all the normal societal things, Mm. um, I guess. So I had a bit of a tragedy in my family where a family member passed away and um, I come to the realisation that they had done not a lot in their life. So they hadn't been overseas. They hadn't done all these fabulous things. And and they themselves were neurodiverse as well. So mm. it actually runs in our family. Um, and she was only 39 years old. Oh, wow. So young. Yeah, very young. So um, having that happen, obviously, as I said, it was a great tragedy to us. and um, But it made me realise that life is so short. Mm. And I was like, I have to do something. I'm going to yeah. do something. Believe it or not, a Groupon came up. <laughs> Groupon, we a love Groupon. Groupon. Yes. Um, saying, come and try and bur- try burlesque. And it was with Scarlet Bell Burlesque. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grabbed that Groupon and um, I went in there and I remember being my very first uh, lesson and Ellen Tice was there and she was like, oh, you know, there's things you're going to say that later on you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I can't believe I said that. So so in your very first lesson, you might say something to the effect of, there is no way you're going to find me in a bra and knickers gracing the stage in front of all these, you know. <laughs> Pasties me, never. Oh, yeah, never. The boobs are never coming out. No way, Jose. Um, but in a short space of just three years, I'm there and I'm doing all that and I'm absolutely loving it. So over the three years, I've been through a lot of the studios. So I've done a lot with Scarlet Bell. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot with uh, Delza Sky, so Sky High Burlesque, and also Sugar Blue Burlesque, which is kind of my home at the moment. Mm. So um, in that three-year period, I have done nearly 50 classes. 
Wow. Okay. So, um, and the amazing teachers that I've had along the way as well has just been mind-blowing. So the likes of um, Lucy Lovegun and uh, Betty Bombshell as well. We did um, a Dolly Parton number with her, which was fantastic. Um, Foxy Curves, Ellen Tice, uh, Lila Sin, Emilia Kisses, you know, they're all mm. there. Like I could name all of them, but it would be here <laughs> all day. You spend so, the next hour yeah, just naming yeah. everybody in the scene. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's been great because I've taken a little bit from each of those and cre- created my own little character mm. in the way that I do things. Um, but then also along the way, I've also seen where some people may have struggled yeah. in classes, like whether their class was a little bit too short for them, maybe they didn't get it in that way or um, or they're not, they don't have that creative kind of area where they can do costumes really well and things. So yeah. people come to me for that type of thing as well. So um, being joyfully autistic and having ADHD, um, <laughs> I'm very creative. So um, I do a lot with costuming as well. So um, and on my actual Facebook page for um, blogging and use burlesque, I actually take people through um, me costuming and making these costumes and rhinestoning the life out of everything in my possession. So uh, a lot of people can actually uh, get stencils and things and they use stencils to do that kind of thing. But for me, it's all imagination. So I kind of start doing something and I'll stand back and I'll have a look at it and I'll be like, okay, well, how's that best going to go now? So mm. for me, I have to see the picture in my head before I can go ahead with, and that's with anything. Yeah. Um, so recently I did a costume for a friend, which was a matador costume. Ooh. And she literally had given me a red raincoat that she got from the old <laughs> shop and <laughs> said, what can you do with it? And me and my best friend, the hot glue gun, we got to it. Um, and it ended up just absolutely beautiful. It, but I had to see the picture in my head first before I could go ahead with it. So yeah. Um, and that's how I produce costumes. So obviously everyone's different, but that's my creative way of I've got to see the picture there first before I can get anywhere. I'm always a little bit interested when it comes to the world of um, student burlesque performers. Obviously, like a lot of the incredible people who've been on this show have like started out in the student world. Can you explain a little bit more about how that whole structure works? So you enroll in a class and then on top of that, you have to create your own costume by the sound of it? Correct. So um, you enroll and then as soon as you get in there, uh, the teachers will teach you a little bit about burlesque and, you know, where it came from, uh, particularly if you're a beginner, mm-hmm. some basic moves, and then we move on to the choreo. Um, and because it's quite a short time frame to learn, so mm. um, I know with Sugar Blue, it's six weeks. So yeah. um, it's bang, bang, bang. You have to learn it. So, <laughs> But in that time frame, tell you, at, right at the start of the course, the teachers will actually say to you, okay, well, so this is the costume that we're going to have. And they, they do give you a lot of... Um, creativity to it too so that you can add your own kind of character to it yeah so one that I've got at the moment so say with Amelia Kisses who's one of my favorite teachers so she's so sweet she wants us to dress up as a Prince Charming nice and again it's just our own creative um oh, so the brief is really flexible yeah That's yeah good. yeah um some others a little bit more like you need to have this okay um, as part of the costume because say that something we're taking off as part of the routine right yeah you no know? so in that way but um otherwise yeah it is quite open and um, whether you rhinestone everything or not is completely up to you. Like, do you have the time? Do you want to do it? That type yeah. of thing. So. so how have you found the uh, accessibility? Because obviously that's something I bang on about all the time. If you're creating your own costume, is there a – across all schools, we're not like being particular, of course. of course. Is there a stress to be like, okay, you've got to buy this bra from this expensive place or is it more just like, okay, what you can do, we're totally fine with here. Obviously we're hitting marks in terms of this comes off and then this comes off. So I completely understand that. But is it – inaccessible sometimes or do you personally find it quite flexy? No, I find it quite flexible. Um, A a lot of people use Shein these days. Like it's just (laughs) easy to get stuff from there. Um, But I very much advocate uh, the op shops. Yeah. Because there's, you know, there's stuff there. It's a good price. Um, Yeah, you can always seem to find what you need. Um, So far as bras and things, bra... uh, 
I actually said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you not can an go ad to yet. And things, or this city chic, or yeah. you know, there's all these different places. So, and once you get like a plain bra or knickers, I mean, you can just fire it up with some rhinestones and and lace and things, and just make it absolutely elegant. And so, it sounds yeah. like the student process is much more than just the six week class. Then it's very much, very much more involved. So, as you were coming out from being like, I need to try something for myself, mm. this would have been like an all encompassing. Uh, thing that you could try that wasn't just, okay, I'm going to a dance class every week. It's I'm going to this class, I'm making this costume, I'm meeting these people, I'm shopping. So like all of these different aspects of your life suddenly became about you again. Absolutely. Yes. And so for me, again, with the autism, um, I'm not a particularly social person, so (laughs) I find it difficult to socialize, but I've made so many friends through the Mm. whole system and, and lifelong friends really. And people that understand me too, because I think as um, time goes on, people are starting to understand neurodiversity a little bit more and yeah. go, okay, well, I understand why, you know, I haven't, you haven't talked to me for a week, but it's because you need that space sort of thing, as opposed to like, we're just not friends or something to that yeah. effect, you know? So Yeah. More, um, yeah, more about, yeah. Not, not about somebody else is more about how I'm doing in that moment. Yeah. yeah. But the understanding is there and it's, yeah, it's really beautiful. And I, we didn't have that back in the day, you know, like when I was younger, that's, we were just troublemakers and, mm. Nobody knew any different, but um, yeah, these days it's very accepting and, and that's why that this show's come about because I was like, well, I want to showcase how fabulous we are. I mean, the majority of neurodiverse people I know are so creative. Yeah, um, yeah we need to put it on stage and show people what we can do. Totally. And are you comfortable explaining some of your experiences like then to now? Is that something you're okay with talking about? You don't have well. to. You don't have to. That's like not a pressure. Um, just being, I mean, I think we've all experienced like being left out for mm. our differences. You yeah. Know? So for me as a youngster, I didn't understand my emotions mostly, I think. So, um, the way that I talk about it is if you have a neurotypical person mm-hmm. and, and something's happened to them and they're upset. Well, if you think about a neurodiverse person, for me personally, it's what the neurotypical person felt times a thousand. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you might be like, oh, water off a duck's back for that particular comment or whatever. Mm. Me, I play it in my head a million times over before I can let it go. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it can get to the point where I could actually um, be stuck in bed for a week, like yeah. just having that go through my head and I have to hit rock bottom to pull myself back out. Right. Okay. So, and that's a, that's a shutdown for me. So, mm-hmm. um, and again, other neurodiverse thing, you can have meltdowns or you can have shutdowns. For me, I shut down yeah. and I need that time to myself before I can bounce straight back back. Wow. After, yeah. Yeah. No, thank Depends. you. No, thank you for sharing. The reason okay. the reason I asked that was because like burlesque is such a, a highly personal thing because it, especially for femme people, because it's like it is your body, which is something that is heavily scrutinized for a lot of our lives. Absolutely. So how do you balance like obviously knowing what your triggers are and what your coping mechanisms are with something that is your art form and you love, but is so highly personal? I, I mean, for me, burlesque was pushing myself out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And I can honestly tell you back in the day before I started burlesque, there was no way I would have walked around in front of people in a bra and knickers, no, <laughs> not even. Yep. Like, um, and my mum was an older mum as well. So yep. we were taught that you're always covered up and you just didn't show anything. Yep. And I think just over the years, it's just come through burlesque that I, I'm just able to go, this is my body and I love it. And yeah, look at it. <laughs> <laughs> You should look at it too <laughs> and, and you know, be appreciative of other people's bodies as well. And um, in burlesque, no one will ever say anything nasty to you so far as the community, you know. We mm. all think each other's beautiful and um, which is so different from what I experienced being in school and things, you yes, know. Yes, so, totally, yeah. yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, I absolutely encourage everyone to get into burlesque for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the cult of the burlesque, it keeps appearing in front of my microphone and I love it. I'm yeah. It. And it's such a beautiful message to pass down to your kiddos and stuff too. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Actually, it's funny that you say that. Um, I have a son who's 12 at, and um, he's just done the whole puberty thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> but mum will walk around in a bra and Nick getting ready to go to a show or whatever and he'd be like, oh, no, mum, I put some clothes on. And I'll be like, baby, it's just a body. And mm. all bodies are beautiful. Yeah. You don't need to be like, oh, mum, put it away. <laughs> you know. <laughs> now mum's super embarrassing. Doesn't matter what mum does. You, you Honestly, you, you could be, yeah, you could be like full onesie head to toe. And it's like, no, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> that fun super stage, which is like, it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be incorrect. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. So when you're a side of stage, do you have any particular coping mechanisms or things you do to allow yourself to put on these incredible performances? Um, I try to remind myself that the people in the audience actually don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. They don't know the routine. Yeah. So if I was to slightly slip up in some way, they're just not going to know. And I just keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, but I've kind of got myself into a, a muddly kind of mode now where I actually am talking to the other performers in my group. Mm -hmm. So rather than worry about myself, I'm more, um, okay, guys, chookers to you all. Now, are you okay? Just remember, they don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if you muck up, just do a little turn and keep going. You'll be fine. Yeah. So I've just taken on this kind of muddly kind of thing after a few years. So I love that saying yeah. it outwardly and like, I'm, I'm telling you all, but I'm also telling myself yeah, in, exactly. this, <laughs> in this moment. What about during solo performances? Um, I don't know. Just go for it. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. I love that. Like, that's great. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like, yeah, no, I just go for it. I guess with my solos, I'm really just trying to get a message across or a story across. So mm. um, I recently actually did a performance um, at Unleashed, which was about neurodiversity, uh, where I walk out on stage in white and um, the song was Whatever It Takes by mm. Imagine Dragons. Um, and in the end, I'm all coloured and it's all like celebrating neurodiversity. And so I try and bring that all in as well. And I'm, I'm a big nerd too. Um, so that comes into everything I do as well. So, Yeah. Did you find it difficult to be so open about your neurodiversity? Uh, to begin with, yes. So um, so it was actually my children that were diagnosed before I kind of oh, came okay. out in that way. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my son, my um, he was diagnosed very young. And I do recall as a, a parent and an adult then thinking, oh, what does this mean? What yeah. does this mean? You know, like um, generally people, there is a stigma to autism. There totally, is. Totally, yeah. That that, per that child is never going to be able to do great things in their life because they have autism. Mm. And it's so not true. But even I believed it back then because I didn't understand it. Yeah. And this is why it's so important to me now to get the message out about neurodiversity is because it's not what people think. That stigma can't be here anymore. Like yeah. we are creative. We are fabulous. We are glorious in every way. So, um, you know, we need to be let in. <laughs> oh, totally. And be a part of it all. Yeah, completely. So with this like diagnosis of your your little the little human in your life, yes, yeah. did you suddenly have to like self-reflect and then go on your own diagnosis journey or was it more just being like, okay, well, from learning and from your experiences with your little human being like, okay, well, if this is what you're experiencing, I have very similar experiences. Yes, yeah. So uh, I was similar to him uh, and then my older child, um, they were diagnosed later on. So they are uh, – is female. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess with females though, we are diagnosed later on. So, because we learn how to mask so well. So, mm -hmm. I mean, in society, we are taught that you just do what every other female does. Right. You, know? you wear the pretty clothes, you put the makeup on, you do the hair, like you just follow 
a predetermined role. Yeah, yeah, a predetermined role, exactly. And um, so we've done that for a long, long time. Well, me particularly. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I was only uh, 39, I think, when I realised, oh, hello, this has come from me, you know. It's me who's the neurodiverse one and this ah, is how my children yeah. have, yeah. So uh, they were diagnosed as well. Um, and then I did go along the diagnosis process, um, going to psychologists for a number of appointments. <laughs> um, and in the end, she actually said to me, okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask that you be diagnosed with autism level two, autism spectrum disorder level two okay. and ADHD and chronic anxiety. And I was like, okay, thanks. That's all I need. Right, really? So the, it was the label was enough to give you power to move forward? Absolutely, yes. So um, what people have to understand is that to get a diagnosis, particularly as an adult, is yeah. so expensive. And I, at that time, was a much more inclined to use that finance to put towards my children and what they need. Yes. You know, yeah. I've lived my life. I've done okay, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they... The world's different now and, and there is help for children and, you know, they can learn in a different way than I did. Yeah. You know, I, I went through the school of hard knocks. Like I mm. had to learn the hard way. Yeah. But they have like interventions and things that help them a lot more. So I'd rather like put my money towards that. So I took that as my diagnosis and yeah. From oh, there, yeah, which, been, is, yeah. which is entirely valid. I think that that's yeah. something really important that you bring up is like the um, concept of being like in the world of neurodiversity. If you don't have a piece of paper that says, oh, my name is Dr. So-and-so and I have decided that you have X, Y, and Z, that your experience isn't valid as a neurodiverse person, but it totally is. Absolutely, yeah. And um, I also know that there is also parents that um, because of that stigma, they don't actually go down that road of having their children ah. diagnosed either. So I do remember speaking to a friend and I was like, well, we, we, I can tell that your child is likely neurodiverse. Mm. Why don't you go and have a look at diagnosis and then you can get a bit of help from, you know, yeah, wherever, from, yeah. NDIS, whatever it may be. Um, that's a whole nother story, but anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she was like, oh no, we know. We know. That's okay. We don't need the diagnosis. We, mm. we know. Right. So they were happy to just accept that that was the case and they didn't want the label. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw that as well. But for me, I wanted my children to get as much help as absolutely possible. So Yeah, well, I mean, uh, when it comes to examination and to testing and to all of that stuff that we, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on that, but like <laughs> impose on kids, especially as mm. they become teenagers and stuff. If mm. there's any extra assistance that you can offer them, absolutely. it's probably the best thing for them in those situations. Absolutely, yes. So, yeah, um, it's been a long road. <laughs> so here I am neurodiverse and I have two children that are neurodiverse as well. So, and I just want to open neurodiversity up to the world as I said earlier so mm. um and this performance like this show is like one of the ways that we'll be doing it and um from there on in I want to um open uh further shows that mm -hmm. are disability accessible because I do get contacted a lot by people that do have disabilities mm -hmm. and they they can't keep up with the routines that are going now or they they're not sure how to costume and things like that and I'm like well let's do something about that together I love that you brought that up because there's um, recently at the WA Showcase, which is run by Circuit West, there was a, a beautiful panel about uh, accessibility versus inclusivity, being that, of course, these are two different things. It's one thing to be able to access a venue. Congratulations, you put a wheelchair ramp in. Good for you. Do you want a pat on the back? Yeah. And actually including that person in the performance experience. Because if you put a wheelchair ramp in, but you also make them sit way up the back behind a pole because they can't yeah. get a good seat, then are you really including them in a performance? No. And the answer is no. Yeah, you're right. And I am so glad that you segued so beautifully into Neurodiversity Unmasked because that's exactly what I would like to talk about as soon as we get back from break. Beautiful. Beautiful. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back. I am still joined by the incredible monogamy muse. Um, oh, I love that. <laughs> Big smiles. We're so here for it. Okay, so of course, we are here to talk about the upcoming show, Neurodiversity Unmasked, premiering on November 24th at Lyric Lane. Um, I wanted to ask about the foundation of this show um, on your website. So I'm not actually putting you out here. I'm just looking at all of the amazing things on your website. It does say um, that you have autism spectrum disorder level two, which is something you mentioned before, yep. and ADHD, along with mild spina bifida and right. chronic anxiety disorder. Yes. Great. All of these things. All of the, all <laughs> the boxes ticked. Um, you mentioned here very clearly that what makes you unique is you don't let any of these things define you or who you are or what you can do in your life, which absolutely. is absolutely fantastic. Yep. With all of that in mind, why create a show that does exactly that? That's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like we're opening up people's minds as to what neurodiversity is mm. by doing the show. Like include us. But this is what we go through on a daily basis. So yeah. this is, you know, we want to be seen. Yeah. That's what it is. We want to be seen now. Yeah. Okay. We've stayed quiet and we've done what everyone, everyone wanted us to do for such a long time. Now we want to be seen for all our creativity and all our talents and things. And um, yeah, did that answer that? <laughs> I think so. I think so. I mean, yes, sure. Why not? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> See, the show is a story. We're making it a story. Mm. So um, so to begin with, the first kind of thing that will happen is we're going to be in a doctor's office and there's going to be the, a doctor and a mother and I'm actually going to play the mother in mm. that. And the doctor is going to say, look, Mrs. Jones or whatever, I'm actually going to diagnose your child with ASD level two and this and that, whatever. And then I'm going to turn around and go, okay, well, what do I do next? And the doctor's literally going to like take off the glasses, put them down and walk out. Because that's how it felt to me mm. when I had my child diagnosed. Yeah. It's easy for them to say, not easy, but, you know, they, they'll diagnose and say, this is what your child has. But then they leave you to figure out what you have to do or what, how can you get help? What is this about? You know, what is it? Yeah. So beyond like the diagnosis system, which you've mentioned before, is a really hard thing to get done in Absolutely. the first place. Yep. Um, especially for AFAB people. Yep. Uh, and then to just we go, okay, there's no support network beyond the diagnosis structure. That's really interesting. Yeah, because that's, I mean, that's where you have to make friends and that's where that I kind of got that information mm. is by talking to other people. 
But no, a doctor won't tell you, okay, the next thing that you have to do is the next step, you know, is um, apply for NDIS or apply for early intervention or whatever it may or be. Or make friends so, with similar circumstances. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, so that's kind of how this show is going to run. So there's going to be a bit of a storyline mm. to it, followed by a neurodiverse performer who is going to back up the feeling or the emotion yeah. of that particular little story to them. So in that circumstance, that first one there, we've got the fabulous um, Ali Oop yes. is going to be uh, creating for that one. So they're creating a new routine and the song is to die for. I can't tell you. I don't want to tell you. No, no, don't give it away. Everybody's going to get tickets and <laughs> yes, show up please. on the 24th of but November. I tell you, but I listen to this song and I cry because it it literally is how I feel on a daily basis as a person with neurodiversity. Mm. So I can't wait for everyone to see it. But yeah, so the whole show will be based like that. So a little bit of a story. Um, so we've got mother and child in that instance, but then we'll move along to um, maybe, you know, what school was like a little bit for me. So yeah. um, being told continuously that I'm not doing it right, specifically say in mathematics. So I could come to the correct answer, but I couldn't do it how they wanted me to do it. Yeah. Show you're working out and it's yeah. like, and I can't show you what you're working out. Exactly. You to show you. But yeah. if you can't do the workings out, you fail. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, I used to do it apparently backwards. Everyone tells me I do it backwards. But, I mean, I still come to the right answer, yeah. but that's the way that I work it out. Yeah. Um, so that's the school side of it. And then a little bit further on, um, we're just going to go into the, uh, like, the acceptance of it and things. I mean, there's other little stories in between, but um, it just kind of escapes me right at the second, all the different bits. But, oh, my gosh. No, you don't yeah. need a full synopsis. <laughs> are, so I, that's so fine. <laughs> um, but, yeah, into uh, – well, actually, the performance that I'm doing is later on in the show, um, and it's to symbolise the depression mm. that comes along with neurodiversity. So it's actually quite a dark – um, performance and song. Now I've chose that to do myself because I don't want any of my performers to do it. Yeah. Because I feel it's going to take me to a place where I, I don't want the other performers to go. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, because even when I'm choreographing it now, I can feel it so deeply, mm, like yeah. what it means and what it's going to mean to other people. So I, I hope people are going to love it as well. So, but like I said, it's very dark, it's very deep. But, um, and then beyond that, we're going to go into acceptance and we've got um, some beautiful people coming in to do some performance there. So we've got uh, Drusilla Silk, um, uh, your beautiful self, oh. Aria Scarlett. <laughs> uh, we've got Autumn Days. That's we've right, got I wasn't Kisses. waiting for the name drop. <laughs> It was coming. It was coming for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah, Autumn Days and uh, Amelia Kisses and all these fabulous people. Busty Bubbles. Oh, look, so many fabulous people. It's just, it's. I'm just so overwhelmed and proud that people think it's worth doing. Mm. Um, yeah, beside myself, like with joy. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, are you okay if we delve into a little bit of the idea um, that you mentioned you're going to do this act that's based around um, the depression side of, of things? Yep. Uh, how are you, um, what safety nets do artists or should artists put in place to make sure that they don't hurt themselves when they're touching in their art space? It's kind of a wanky artist question, but I think it's important. <laughs> <laughs> I think just um, making sure, you know, you leave that performance on the stage. Yeah. So once it's done, it's done, you walk off. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, I'm thinking back to like um, – you know, what happened with Heath Ledger and stuff. Like he got so far into his character that, he, you know, he got really deep and dark. And mm -hmm. and and I think we just have to be really careful of that. So um, I intend to leave that on the stage. Mm. And then when I come off, try and pick myself up. And I mean, I think the cast, because we're, the cast is so fabulous, as I said, um, that we'll be picking each other up as well. Um, and to also 
counter that darkness, mm. the very last song is very uplifting. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's a really a celebration of neurodiversity and who we are mm. as people. So I think that will pull us back out of it sort of thing. So we're going we're gonna to delve down and get dark and deep and um, then come back up in the light. And it's yeah. going to be absolutely fabulous. I think yeah. that's really important to touch on too because like there's so many ways that we can go, okay, as artists we need to make sure that we're okay, uh, especially when we're touching on like stories from our past and that sort of thing. Um, which can be really emotionally draining, but we also need to take care of our audiences too because uh, it's one thing to go on and trauma dump on them for an hour, but we also yeah. have to be like, okay, how do we make we'll sure that you're okay well. at the end of it? Yeah, absolutely. You were speaking about the audience as well. So something else I've done uh, with this particular show is we've tried to make it completely accessible to everyone. Mm. So in saying that, what we've done is we've made sure there is a lift to bring wheelchairs down yep. to the main stage. Um, it is We have an Auslan interpreter coming in for the show. Um, we have cut out any photosensitive lights that we've asked all performers not to have any photosensitive lights whatsoever. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's a big, it's a personal part like a, of, um, of my photophobia, light sensitivity is even just as somebody who stands on stage, mm. uh, I guarantee that the next day I am out of action if I perform. Oh, so wow. yeah. yeah, just cause all like light sensitivity, um, issues make for me manifest in, uh, migraines, blindness, and oh, nausea. Wow. So I yeah. lose my sight, uh, which is very scary. And then like mm -hmm. I get very unwell and I've got intense migraines for a few days. Um, so to have like those considerations in place for our audience, I really, I personally really appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that, you know, hopefully that um, helps people out as well. We're also having companion cards. So mm. that if someone so with a disability just yeah. want to come and, you know, we have the companion cards are definitely welcome. So they just need to show that at the door and um, I'll say, come on in and take a seat and yeah. Yeah. Away we shall go. But yeah. Um, yeah, so we've allowed for all of that as well and just made it as accessible as possible because um, I really sat down for a while um, in putting this together and thought about stages, stages around Perth as well, like the accessibility to stages mm. and things like that. And the more you think about it, you're like, oh, hang on a minute. Not Could a I get a wheelchair out there? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. when you really think about it, there is not that many fully accessible kind of stages around. And I think we so. touched on it a little bit earlier as well, but like it's one thing to be accessible. Mm. So it's one thing to get uh, our wonderful audiences into a room, mm. but then to actually make the performance itself accessible to them seems to be a whole nother hurdle because mm. you can't just be like, okay, well, I, I put a lift in. But because of the lift, uh, I made none of the corridors like wide enough so you can't actually yeah, sit near true. enough the stage to enjoy it or like there's not actually the consideration the whole way through. They're, we always seem to stop a little bit short. So I'm really glad that you're like exploring this area. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's about time, I think. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very much so. Very, very much so. Mm. So no. Oh my God. Did I digress? No, <laughs> I love a digression. I love it. I think it gives oh, a lot of- shining over there. Hang on. Let's go over there. <laughs> I'm here life. for it. Digressions <laughs> is like the the aim of the podcast is digress for a really long time and eventually we'll figure out what we were supposed to talk about. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> so the idea of before just nodding along being like, oh, that person over there, but they've got mm, insert thing here to actually celebrating somebody for their abilities regardless or even in spite of is, is really powerful. Yeah. Actually, interestingly, recently I heard somebody just in conversation saying, oh, you know, that person's got autism. So, you know, that they're, they're not that bright and la da da. And I was like, say what now? <laughs> do you want to say that to me? <laughs> no. Um, and I, I, that's the problem. I think people do have that idea that perhaps we're not that intelligent mm. and, or, you know, um, yeah, you know, one that really gets me is when people say everybody 
is on the spectrum. <gasps> no, mm. not everybody's on the spectrum. Right, yeah. Definitely not. You do. Yeah, we all have quirks perhaps. Totally. But no, not everyone's on the spectrum. Would you, so. um, it's just for our audience members who may not have experienced that before, would you go a little bit more into that like ideology of that that sort of saying or or sayings that sort of, um, I guess for want of a better term, nullify the experience of people with autism or ADHD? Absolutely, and we get it all the time. So I might say, okay, so let's talk about my emotions. You know, when something bad has happened, um, I, I could say to someone, oh, it's it was so bad for me, you know, I, I was stuck in bed for a couple of days because mm. when, when negativity hits me, my brain just shuts down. Yeah. So, um, and they'll be like, oh yes, but you know, that's just, you know, we're, we're all a spectrum. We all go through these things. It's all just very normal. No, it's not normal. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, what is normal anyway? So like, I don't even, yeah. best, I don't define normal, but, but I do, you know, there is neurotypical and there is neurodiverse, but yeah, it happens a lot where people just justify it and say, um, well, we're all on the spectrum. No, did you go and pay the money to find out that you were like neurodiverse in some manner or are you just making it up as you go? So not to yeah. say that they're not, they, they could be on the spectrum. In those circumstances, it might be really interesting too where it's like if somebody says something like that, you sort of go like, well, maybe something's been like like ground out of you to a point where you're not like understanding who you are as well, mm. um, which is an interesting thing to think about. As well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we still use the terminology spectrum all the time. Mm. So, um, but when I hear, you know, high functioning or low functioning. Yeah, I don't like that's, those terms. I don't like those terms at all. Like we're just, you're on the spectrum or you're not. And we're all different people. I mean, the whole world, we're all different people anyway. Yes. So, but do I have a neurological disorder? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. But, the, you know, the next person that has a bit of a quirk might not. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're on the spectrum. They just, you know, have some quirks. Yeah. So, Yeah. And with the terminology high functioning and low functioning, it's a very um, it's a very binary almost way to think about it in the sense that we go like, okay, well, if you're high functioning, therefore you are worth more value to society, whereas if you're low functioning, you aren't, which is really a quite a, well, maybe not binary, hierarchical way of thinking about it. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And I mean, I, when you think about it, and I don't know if you've seen like all the fabulous neurodiverse people in the world, that, that it's, you know, it's come out like the um, big stars like um, Daryl Hannah and, uh, and Dan Aykroyd and mm. all these people um, that are just smashed it out of the park and they just, you know, at the time it didn't come up that they were neurodiverse, but now yes. everyone is starting to be a bit more proud of it and um, accept it and yeah. yeah, we've done historical cases recently too where it's been like, okay, there is like absolutely no way if we judge somebody by like their attitudes, their behaviours, their diary writings, et cetera, that people like Mozart weren't in some way neurodiverse as well yeah. because it's just like there's no way they could create on the scale that they did with the hyper-focus that they did without exactly. that yep. as well. Van Gogh, yep. um, Albert Einstein even, yep. like all these, yeah, fabulous people. So um, I quite like to have a little bit of fun with people sometimes and I, I will sometimes say, so what if um, the neurodiverse people are actual the normal ones? <laughs> yes, what is your definition of normal? I get yeah. in this loop all the time where it's yeah. just sort of like, when you say normal, do you just mean like you? Yeah. Because that's not necessarily normality, nor should it be. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I mean, there seems to be so, uh, as you know, the years go on, we see that there's so many neurodiverse people. Mm. So what if we're the actual majority? Who yeah. knows? Yeah. I just think that's a bit funny. Like, yeah, <laughs> I play with people. They're kind of like, oh, hang on a minute. Um, <laughs> 
So that's funny too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, mm. On all of that incredible information about neurodiversity unmasked, can you tell everybody the lowdown on, on like how to um, come to the venue, where they can find tickets, all of that good stuff? Yep. So it's Lyric Underground. It's in Maylands and the tickets are through Oztix. Um, O-Z-T-I-X, and uh, they're already on sale. We've already sold about 25% of tickets That's already. That's very exciting. I, um, I think people are really curious as to, you know, what we're going to produce there. So um, I did actually forget some very important people a little bit earlier. Yes, so, list um, them. Let's go. Sorry, Cece Desist, of course. my mentor who I adore with all my heart. Um, she will be there singing as well. Um, and, of course, all our stagehands, Cheeky Tita, uh, Cosmo Enchante, um, Anna Glipta, and I know there's someone else. This is all off the top of your head. I'm so impressed. I'm yeah. like, I remember nothing. I have a good memory. <laughs> um, and Gigi Marshino, I think is her name. Gigi Marsh. Anyway, she's one of the um, stagehands as well. So the stagehands and uh, stage managers and all those type of things, they're not neurodiverse. Mm-hmm. So um, they're just going to be helping all of ourselves. But the rest of all the performers are absolutely, um, yeah, neurodiverse and um from here it looks like we might be taking the whole thing to uh fringe but that would be a different cast not yep. entirely um but yeah lock it in we will be back what are the fringe dates because by the time this comes out you'll be allowed to talk about yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> so the fringe dates are from the 6th to the 11th of february in 2023 and it's actually going to be at connections nightclub That's exciting yeah from yeah. 6 to 7 p.m and yes. um we have some big names joining us from melbourne for those shows so Ooh, but we'll wait till closer to to announce yes, those no that's people. not coming sorry you can't push me no it's not coming out <laughs> Aria, no. <laughs> i'm not pushing you you have to tell me off air no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with all of that awesome stuff said can you let us know where we can find you on social media absolutely so um anywhere that's melogamy muse uh burlesque can you spell it for people because i'm dyslexic and i i struggle as it is can you spell melogamy for everyone m-e-l-l-o-g-a-m-y Perfect. (laughs) So you'll find all of those links that we've just discussed in the show notes. So you just scroll down a little bit and they're right there. And remember, everyone, if you like this podcast, you can like us on your social media, rate and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app, or send us a question to waexposepod at gmail.com and we'll ask our next incredible guest. Thank you, Mologamy, for joining me. Thank you for having me. You've been delightful. Such a pleasure. Thank you. WA Expose is an independent production. Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA expose. I would have cut it out. (laughs) All right, let's get right on back into it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.